Welcome back, guys, to today's episode of the Pursuit to Healing. Today, we're going to talk about adverse childhood experiences, but I'd like to start off today with a verse from the Bible. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalms 34 to 18. Aliki's off this week, uh, but she'll be hopefully back next time. Awesome. What's going on, Belle? Hey. <laughs> not like I'm having a panico doing this, you know. Thanks for that. Look, today we're going to be talking about some really heavy things. Sort of heavy. Well, I think it's heavy. Yeah. Totally. Um, so trigger warning, anyone that's, you know, unable to listen to any form of, I guess, traumatic experiences, it's probably a good idea not to listen until you're in a safe headspace or a safe place to be able to do that. Um, we just don't want anyone to feel triggered by the things that we might talk about. Um, because we will talk about our own experiences as well, um, as well as some research that is out there. So I'll be looking down at times because I need to read what I wrote down. Um, so today we're starting off talking about, so we want to sort of go back to the beginning and just talk about adverse childhood experiences. And adverse childhood, adverse childhood experiences, which is referred to as ACE as well, um, is made up of exposure to emotional, physical and sexual abuse, um, neglect, whether that's emotional or physical, um, family dysfunction, so parental separation, divorce, family mental illness, substance abuse, family violence or family incarceration. Um, so we're going to share a little bit about our own experiences growing up. Um, I'm sure there are other many people out there with similar experiences also growing up. So sometimes it's it's nice to kind of talk about your own story and someone might, someone else may be able to relate. So Belle's going to Definitely. kick it off and talk yeah. about her own experiences. Okay. Belle, so, Belinda. Um, Belle. Thanks, Layla. <laughs> Throw me under the bus. There with the onion. Everyone call her Belinda. Please <laughs> no, don't. <I'm> <laughs> Ever. Thank you. Thanks for that, you know. Um, okay. So growing up, I... I was in a loving home. Everything was amazing um, until when I was in year seven, um, my dad got diagnosed with motor neuron disease. I'm not sure if people are aware of what that is. I guess you might see like um, it's called ALS in America, um, the ice bucket challenge. We have the beanies out. There's awareness now, but back in 2005, 2006, there wasn't awareness. Um, and basically um, a year just maybe a year and a half later after he got diagnosed, he passed away and I was 13 years old. Um, losing a parent that young um, has made a massive impact on my life and who I am, and we'll talk about a bit about that later. But it caused, like, um, I guess, neglect from my mum because she was grieving her husband and she had two young kids and she was just... Nobody prepares you on how to grieve. So she didn't know... She wasn't really present and I had to intend, like from there, like raise myself and help my brother and be the parent. And I still am kind of the parent. If you listen to this mom, I'm sorry, but I am your mom. You come to me for advice. And in that like has impacted me and who I am now. Um, but I'm still working through things. And like, it was my dad's 16th anniversary the day we recorded our last episode and it still has a massive impact on like, hurt and I'm still working through that grief today um and it's yeah it's kind of shaped who I am today because of that pain um and like I said yeah I'm still working through it it's not it's a work in progress 
Um, but mm. it definitely has impacted who I am and relationships and yeah, just cause I had to pretty much become an adult at 13 and do everything like household related um, and try to raise my brother and getting questions that like a young boy would need their dad for like, you know, like you'd have like the sex talk in like the end of primary school, early high school. My brother was like asking me those questions and like my mom was just not in the headspace to parent because she was grieving herself. So what was the age gap between you and your brother again? Two and a half years. So he was like, I think grade five or six when it happened. I was yeah. like between year eight and year nine because yeah. I was early for my year level. Um, so like it was a massive difference from like year eight to going into year nine after it happened. I just grew up. I was like a yeah. the different person to everybody new in year eight to year nine. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, trauma does that. It makes you grow up quickly okay. because you've got to do it to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, did you want to share anything about growing up and being an adult, whether, you know, any of those experiences, I guess, um, carried on into your adult relationships or anything like that? Uh, yeah, so, like, as I've only just established this, through like having friendships like with Layla and therapy, um, breaking down everything. Um, but because I found the need to just cling on to having relationships, I always been in a relationship ever since then. I had a boyfriend when my dad passed away and I was pretty, I've been pretty much in a relationship minus a few months, like since then, which is insane. Um, and I just seek validation. And because of that, I'm, kind of not looking for the right things in a partner or I wasn't until now I was just wanting companionship and somebody there not really looking for what I thought like when I was younger I was going very looks based and Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in a Maltese family that you have to marry a Maltese man Um, so I was all going for the Maltese men but sometimes I wasn't looking past that that some of them they were um, it led me into going through like physical domestic violence and then later on um, going through emotional um, and financial abuse in a relationship and a lot of control and feeling like I have no control. Um, Just it put me into situations like with partners that weren't right for me um, just because I felt like I needed to have somebody always there, like to be in a relationship, to feel loved instead of feeling love for myself. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine it would leave like a gaping hole when you lose a parent that you try to fill with, you know, another man that's going to make you feel secure and safe, um, which is a really common experience. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you. Super brave of you to talk about. I'm really proud of you. Um, I'll talk a bit about my own experiences and it comes with dark humor, which is also a trauma response, but you know, it's how it is. It's how it be. Um, I guess growing up, my childhood was pretty volatile. I would say, um, I reckon like, I can't really remember a lot of my early childhood. It's sort of disassociated from that. Um, I think my earliest memories were probably around five, six years old. Um, I just remember, my mum had gone through a lot of trauma as a child and also experienced domestic violence in her life. 
So I guess her own resources that she had available to be a secure parent just weren't available to her because she wasn't really parented in a way that was beneficial or in a way that sort of modelled good behaviour and ways to treat a child or ways to raise a child. Um, So I think, yeah, growing up, we didn't really have our dad present. Our parents got divorced when we were really young. I don't remember ever having my dad in my life as a child. Um, I actually don't even know when they got divorced. I I can't remember that. Um, My sister's got the best memory for all this stuff. She remembers everything. So we're the complete opposites. Um, I remember growing up pretty much my sister was like my protective figure because she was older than me. She is older than me. She's 16 months older than me. So I remember times where we would be like, I needed to go to the toilet. And I was like terrified to go to the toilet. And she would get up in the middle of the night and she would take me to the toilet like a little mum. And it was really cute. Every now and then I think back to it and I'm like, it's just so cute. Like, but it's also sad because she was stripped of her childhood as well. Um, But also I think I acknowledge the fact that my mum had also been through a lot in her life and really didn't know how to be a parent. Um, Growing up, we were exposed to family violence. Um, We were exposed to the emotional and mental abuse Um, a lot of family dysfunction, um, mental illness, lots of mental illness in the family. Um, I would say that our earlier experiences, we had that maternal attachment to our grandmother, which is probably why I am still with her today. Um, So, yeah, I think that growing up, we just didn't have a childhood. I don't remember actually ever being a child it's probably why I like to fuck around a bit too much now and <laughs> be an idiot all the time um but yeah I just remember being parentified and I remember my earliest memory of being eight years old and giving my mum advice and I look back and I'm like I was eight years old I would not take advice from an eight-year-old <laughs> let me tell you but looking back the advice I gave was actually okay. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, I just found that really funny. No, it's okay. I, I, I'm making me remember me doing things too. Like what? Tell me. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? I shouldn't laugh. So it's I not funny, my, but my own. Yeah. So, mum, yeah, amazing dearly, but because she was very overwhelmed with everything going on, she would pretend to faint. Um, to get attention because my brother and I were bickering because we were still kids. You're making me laugh. You're smiling. <laughs> Sorry. And you're making so, me cackle. And Stop. so she'd fake, okay. faint and try to get attention. And I'm like, sh- my brother would rush and get a pillow to put under her head. And I'd be like, you're lying. Like, if you needed us to stop fighting, maybe just communicate. I'm just like, I don't understand. Like, what are you doing? Mm. And she just, yeah. yeah. So like, and then as we got older and I was still like a teenager, she'd ask for like, how do I deal with this situation? Or like if she was fighting with a colleague at work or something or like um, her partner who's on and off, um, he said this, what do I do in this? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like 14 years old. How am I meant to know what a, a loving adult relationship is like? I don't know how to give you advice on that. Like, it's just crazy yeah. when you look back and see, like, we weren't, how are we meant to know what to do? Yeah, 100%. I think it just shows their own capacity of parenting. 
shows that they don't have the capacity to understand that that's just not a child appropriate sort of conversation. And looking back, how many times, I'm sure you experienced the same, Belle, like parents would have these conversations with you that are really adulty conversations and you sort of had to grow up quickly because it was like constantly walking on eggshells and like I need to be an adult because the only way I can protect myself and feel safe is to be mature enough to be able to look after myself. Um, Because if you were to be a child and just to live as an actual child, you probably would not thrive because you had no other resource. You literally had to look after yourself. Yeah. Um, so it's really difficult. Like when you really think about, you know, childhood experiences and how, you know, they can be so significant, even like, you know, I got bullied a lot in school, a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think that also like you look back and you think maybe if our parents had built our self-esteem and resilience, maybe then, you know, those experiences wouldn't be, I guess, as severe or as damaging because your resilience would be different. Your ability to, I guess, brush it off would be different. Um, And your own self-esteem would, you know, change the course of your life. It's it's interesting because, you know, when you look at um, young women, it's so important for them to have self-esteem being built from such a young age. So they're not at, risk of you know all these things like needing validation from a man or needing to feel secure in a man just because and I'm not saying you know we don't need men we do we need you know people to love us that's why we're here to be loved as well Um, but in saying that I mean finding the right people to be around not putting yourself at risk of being sexually abused or being sexually assaulted or any of those things and you know sometimes you see kids who had dysfunctional families and they crave that attention from older males and end up at risk of being abused, have been abused, or yeah. um, many things can happen because of the fact that, you know, the parents aren't present and able to support them in a way that is beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well- Adverse childhood experiences can have a profound impact on adults and can impact long-term mental and physical health. And now we're going to talk about our own experiences with mental and physical illness. Yeah. Okay. So maybe I'll start. Yeah. Do you want me to start? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Totally. Done. Done so. Um, I am severely mental. No, I'm joking. I should stop joking about my mental illness. Um, yeah, I guess it's really affected my mental health. Growing up, I remember pretty like intense emotions as a teenager. Like I remember always feeling like I wasn't good enough, always feeling like I didn't fit in, always feeling like I was weird, um, feeling like really insecure all the time. Um, I remember struggling with my weight pretty significantly as a young adult. Um, and then that kind of led into unhealthy habits, which, you know, I don't think going to the gym and eating healthy is unhealthy. However, at the level that I was doing, I was pretty much starving myself and I was basically working myself to the bone to the point where I got down to like 
50 something kilos and my body ain't built for that. I'm not the type of person that can sit comfortably at 50 kilos. Um, and I remember one day getting into the car and my mum looked at me and she's like, you look really sick. You need to gain some weight. And obviously that's also a negative impact because, you know, when you're already struggling with weight and someone's just telling you, you need to gain weight or you need to lose weight, just kind of add, adds fuel to the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really struggled with that growing up. And um, I guess over time, obviously I have experienced trauma. Um, I have OCD. So that's obsessive compulsive disorder for those who don't know. Um, so my life is spent constantly checking things and constantly having intrusive thoughts and um, lots of different things that come from OCD, which we could probably talk about in another episode yeah. in more depth. Um, I also suffer with anxiety and at times I would say that there has been a level of depression, but um I guess the main things that I have really experienced is my OCD, my anxiety and physical health. So I'm struggling with weight, but now I also have polycystic ovaries, which um, is a condition that has actually, there's some research behind how um, trauma survivors can often develop, um, which I'll, I'll share a bit of that research shortly, but develop chronic illness and polycystic ovaries is a chronic illness. Um, so that develops later on in life, which, um, can really impact my, um, I guess whole endocrine system. Um, and yeah, like, I guess mentally, like, I'm sure you can relate, Belle, like the anxiety, like it's just so easy to get dysregulated or something can just set you off and you could be doing well. Like, you know, I suffered with anxiety my whole life and then, I remember there was like a period of like three or four years where I just didn't feel any of that. And looking back, I'm like, I don't know if I was just numb and just didn't realize that it was happening or whether it was happening. I don't know. But looking back, I'm like, I just didn't feel that I had anxiety, but I was still doing, you know, the chronic people pleasing, um, the need to like overachieve, like in everything I do, like, I'm like, yeah, I need to have that best degree. I need to have that good job. And they're really like, you know, I guess really they're important things. But at the same time, it's like I was thriving for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have several phobias. I'm terrified of needles. <laughs> I haven't had a blood test. going to say birds first. <laughs> and, and birds. Oh, the magpies. The magpies. I'm sure many people and um, my friendship group that will listen to this will love that. <laughs> Terrified of being swooped by a magpie. <laughs> like, honestly, those things are so violent. Mm-hmm. They are terrifying. Um, it's also impacted me in terms of, like, growing up, I guess, like, there was um, drug use, alcohol use, um, doing things to cope, like smoking cigarettes all the time. And I'm talking, like packets a day, doing things to self-soothe, becoming addicted to things like super easily as a coping mechanism to kind of like mask what was going on in my head because I didn't understand. And I didn't understand myself actually until a friend of mine recommended a book to me, which everyone should read. It's called The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog by Bruce Perry. And I read that book and it literally changed my life to bring all this like self-awareness back about what was going on in my head and who I was. And I was like, okay, so it's not just who I am as a person. There's something more. And I remember there was a time in my life I didn't even know that trauma existed. I didn't even know what that was because I was like, 
I've never heard of trauma. Trauma is like something that you get from going to war. Um, and that's how I got into the profession that I'm in from that book. Thanks to my friend, Bryony. Um, but yeah, anyways, I'll let you talk now, Val, because I could just go on forever about me. <laughs> well, literally, like, I'm not going to lie. Maybe it's how we became friends, like bonding over our trauma. It sounds bond. so horrible. Trauma bonds. But like no, most not. of what you just said was literally like is what I've gone through and going through, you know what I mean? Like, so I didn't mention earlier, but I experienced a lot of bullying, like from kindergarten to like after high school and online. And I remember as soon as online, like we started getting MySpace and MSN, I got severely bullied and it still carried on into the classroom and around that time is when I, in high school the high school bullying was quite bad it ended up getting physical um and around that time is when I lost my dad as well so everything kind of happened at once and because of that um I've I've had anxiety pretty much my whole life um and panic attacks I it was never like um diagnosed as a kid but looking back seeing I'm like I was having panic attacks all the time and nobody knew what they were. And that's why I was a shy child. I didn't talk in primary school. Um, if I talked, it was to an adult because I trusted them. So I knew they weren't going to bully me. So I am still friends with my primary school and high school teachers to this day. Um, I don't know if that's relation to having to grow up so early and always be that person. Um, but I found like safeness in an adult um, because I knew they was going to be respectful and they weren't going to put me down. Um, I got bullied for the way I look, the color of my skin and my hair. It took me so long to embrace my curly hair. You can't really see in the light today, but I have big curly hair. And for like up until probably like last year, I would straighten my hair every day, um, even wearing makeup. I just felt like I was never good enough because um, I was always put down on how I looked and um, with bad abbreviations. I don't want to say today because they're disgusting um, the way people labeled me I guess um feeling like I wasn't good enough I'm a photographer so over editing any image that was online or how I would portray myself with angles and lighting and I still am working through those things today because of all the like the negative people like terms people were putting on me ever since I was little um I would get like especially around the time just before I lost my dad um I was a runner and I was training like five, six days a week. I was eating, um, but I was 40 kilos. Um, wow. my, I, I looked sickly, um, but I yeah. thought I was obese. Um, and my friends would make fun of me for being so skinny. Um, the year after I lost my dad between like the year eight and year nine, um, I gained 20 kilos from the, from all the grief. Um, and from then it kind of developed bad eating habits because I was, I wanted to get back into that lower weight. Um, yeah. I felt like I wasn't pretty enough if I was like that weight, which is silly. Now looking back, I was like, Oh my God, girl, like we're tiny yeah. and nothing. Even if I wasn't tiny, like I was beautiful. And like, I wish I could yeah. just shake my 16 year old self and be like, you were so stunning. What is wrong with you? Um, but I'd it like just, to correct you on the term that you used. Okay, was. I'm so sorry. Okay. You said was. You still are. I know. I, I, I know. Sorry. But you know what I like? I get you. I just was to shake 16-year-old me. Yeah. Um, but it caused me to struggle with eating. I remember just like hiding and not eating food, um, going to school and eating like a can of tuna and apple. And I remember 
um, one of my classmates actually like cracked it at me and it was like what are you doing like are you trying like because I was friends with these girls that weren't eating much it was like the cool thing to do which is quite horrible um and my brain is fried so I'm so sorry if I'm not using the right terminology no. correct me yeah um so I was kind of under eating to please and kind of to try to fit in um yeah. and then because of that that friendship group also um said you can't hang out with us unless you're having sex and I was 15 years old um and it's crazy like what that has kind of even that has had an impact to who I am now and even um me needing to always be in a relationship trying to fill the void of my dad trying to have a male figure in my life feeling like a lot of relationships they always were like kind of forcing sex like I have to have sex to please a man and he's going to stay in my life because I'm like I'm doing something to please him or um like cooking for him and taking care of him that's what I have to do and so not even just in that in friendships always people pleasing feeling like I have to try to like always do something to please somebody else um and if I'm not that's also stemmed from me over saying sorry and then I apologize for saying sorry and then I'm like I'm sorry for saying sorry and then I go and say sorry like 15 more times and I'm like oh my goodness I'm and I'm in a cycle um and also from all that stuff like you said I I also have polycystic or there's something wrong with my ovaries we have still trying to figure that one out um and that's definitely like I've had bad periods ever since I could remember and I started having my period around the time that I lost my dad um I've been hospitalized surgeries um even like yeah it's it stems I'm definitely from the stress from that definitely um yeah 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 and you mentioned that when you were younger you were like that shy kid that used to always hang out with the adults that was me too like that was literally what I would do I would always be the quiet kid that had barely any friends and if they were friends they were like not really good friends that Mm -hmm. would like try and influence me to do bad things or not actually give a shit about me mm-hmm. and I would always like hang around with the adults so it's really interesting that you say that but it's it's also interesting that as you get older and you do some level of healing the type of people that end up coming into your life and how different it is and how those yeah. relationships really change like the ability to like make and maintain relationships with really healthy people mm-hmm. like meeting you or meeting other people and you're like looking back when you're a kid, how you had barely any friends or no one that you could talk to. And then you become an adult with like a stable, awesome, amazing best friend. Mm -hmm. And you're like, it's insane to think that once upon a time, I would not have even thought that this was possible. Mm -hmm. Or if you did have a friend like that, you probably wouldn't be able to maintain it because of the trauma and the acting out of that trauma. Um, So yeah, it's really interesting. And I guess like there's probably some more that we would go into as well later on down the track of the different topics that we'll talk about. Um, But to kind of lead in from what we were just talking about, research actually shows that trauma in childhood actually increases the risk for autoimmune disease, chronic illness, health problems later on in life. Um, Experiencing adverse childhood experiences increases um, physical inactivity, obesity, um, smoking, heavy alcohol use, risk of cancer, heart disease, increased risk in sexual risk-taking, which is a really common one as well, especially for um, young women as well. Um, Mentally 
mental illness um, and the strongest risks in drug use and self-directed violence, so self-harm. Um, so these are some really common things that can result out of adverse childhood experiences. Um, it's not to say that, you know, you can't break those chains. Anyone can heal. Anyone can move past whatever's happened to them in their lives. Um, it's just the willingness to want to move past that. Um, we will share any links for the research that we have shared today in the, like yeah, in whatever the, it's called. In the caption or whatever it is, whatever, whatever. You, wherever you're listening or watching on. Yeah. Belle's the techie girl. I'm like the old lady that doesn't know how to do that. <laughs> you know, the ones that are like, can you show me how to do this on my phone? That's me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think, um, you know, it's an interesting topic and there's just so much more to it because, Trauma leads on to many different things like, you know, the way we behave and and the things that we do. Um, and some of those things we we continue to do throughout life, even with a level of healing. Um, so, it's yeah, it's really interesting. But we will do further episodes and all those little um, intricate details of trauma. Um, but we just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about adverse childhood experiences today um, and kind of share our own experiences. We hope that you enjoyed listening to that I know that you know listening to traumatic experiences can be really awful um I'm a little bit desensitized I think in my life um yeah same don't worry this is how we're friends yeah you get a little bit desensitized but um also a trauma response um but yeah so we hope that you know there's been any value in this um chatting about our own experiences and you know if there's anyone on their own journey that's not ready to really talk about their own experiences I hope that you can find a level of empowerment to be able to do that I think it's really important to to direct your own healing because you're the only person that can heal you no one else can heal you you can go to the best psychologist in the world and they cannot heal you unless you want to put in the work Um, and it's hard it's a hard lonely Um, long journey and sometimes it can be a lifelong journey Um, but it is difficult but you can overcome many of the experiences that you've had in your life Um, yes stuff still stays with you but to be able to move past and to be able to live your life in a way that is beneficial to you I think is a really important part of your healing journey Um, if anyone wants any recommendations for like books to kind of get them started on their journey or any links or anything like that anyone wants any links to like any mental health services because of listening to the episode and they felt really uncomfortable or anything like that just reach out to us on our instagram page i get the messages so happy to answer any questions um yeah anything else you want to share bells no that was awesome like obviously definitely very intense and like but I hope like somebody would find like that they're not alone that they're not the only ones that have gone through this you know what I mean like I know like when I was growing up I thought I was all alone going through these scenarios and like as we get older I guess we develop for friendships like us um that make you feel safe enough to be able to talk about things like this and I just hope you don't feel alone and like we're just a dm away um, like yeah. you said, that you can, if you've got questions or resources to help you. Yeah. And that's a really important point you just made that I just want to quickly touch on before we finish. Mm-hmm. Sharing your story is a really important part of healing. Yes, resharing your story a hundred times can be really re-traumatizing, but being able to release the pain and the shame that you hold behind what's happened to you or what you might have done to someone else, whatever it is, 
releasing that is a really important part of your healing journey. So sharing your story with another person, whether it's someone that you feel safe with, whether it's a professional, is a really part of your big part of your own journey. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So- Thanks everyone for joining. Um, and we hope to see you on our next episode, which we will, um, we're still thinking about what we're going to cover next, but we will um, put some links out and let you know when that's coming out. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, and thank everyone. you, Leila. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.